0: Jesus said there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with swords who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover even the dogs came and licked his swords. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades being in torment No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I begin today, um, the church. That I preach at, uses a different lectionary, so I'm preaching from a different gospel lesson than the one that we heard for this morning, so I'd like to read that for you uh, before I uh, get into the body of my sermon, but uh, this is from Luke chapter 8, beginning with the 26th verse, it says, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot, and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demons into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned when those tending the pigs saw what had happened they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened when they came to jesus they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at jesus feet dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid those who had seen it told the people how the demon possessed man had been cured Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So that lesson from the Gospel of Luke perhaps can be a little bit disturbing to us. We heard about this man who was possessed not by one, but many demons. In fact, he said his name was Legion because of the sheer number of demons that had possessed him. Now that word Legion is a can be a technical term that was used by the Roman army, which designated a group of soldiers that numbered from between 3,000 and 6,000, thousand men, it could be that this man was possessed by such a high number of demons, or the word legion could simply refer to a large number. But in any case, this man was so afflicted by these demons that they drove him to live among tombs, and these demons gave him the strength to break any chains that were used to bind him. I want to emphasize the kind of spiritual affliction this man was suffering from because the teachings of our modern world often deny totally the existence of any kind of spiritual realm or spiritual forces. There's a philosophy that follows this way of belief that's called materialism. Now, when I hear the word materialism, the first thing that comes into my mind is, well, a person who wants more possessions, they want more cars, they want more clothes, they want more money. And while these terms may be connected, the philosophy of materialism basically says that the only thing that exists is matter, physical things, and there are no such thing as any kind of spiritual things. Materialism so denies the existence of God or angels or demons, basically anything that we cannot see or measure. But the scriptures in the Christian faith absolutely reject this philosophy of materialism. We believe in many things that we cannot or do not usually see. For instance, we believe in God who we do not normally see. The popular hymn says that we believe in the immortal, invisible, God-only wise. But God is not the only spiritual being that we know exists. Scripture also tells us that there are other spiritual beings. For instance, in the Nicene Creed, we confess that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, both visible and invisible. Just as God has created physical beings like us and like animals, God has also created spiritual beings, beings like his angels. These angels are his creations that do his will. They praise God, they carry his messages to mankind, as we see many times in Scripture. And these angels serve God's creation according to his will. And as far as how many angels there are, Scripture says that there are thousands upon thousands of angels. Uh, The book of Revelation uses the language of 10,000 times 10,000. But we also know from scripture that some of these angels some of these spiritual beings chose to disobey god and rather than serving him and his creation they want to afflict god's creation and corrupt it so the man jesus met in the lesson that i just read was one of these victims of these evil unclean spirits and so these spirits desire was to cause harm to this man and to anyone who was around him. So materialism denies the existence of such spiritual beings and tries to come up with maybe other explanations for what this man was afflicted with. But there's another aspect to materialism that we should understand as well, and that is that materialism says that we as human beings also do not have any spiritual aspect to us. Scripture reveals to us that we as God's human creations are made up of both a material and a spiritual component. We are made up of a body and a soul. Materialism says the body is the only thing that exists there is not and cannot be any soul or any spirit. But this, this hard-nosed belief in materialism drives people to two extremes in ways of thinking. So on one hand, people who believe that the body is the only thing that exists, material things are the only thing that exists, they might live a life that we might call licentious, a life where they seek after only pleasures. If the body is all that exists, then the whole point of life must, to be, must be to feel good, to make myself feel good as much as I can. It doesn't matter what I do, as long as I feel good about it. There's another side to a belief in materialism, and that is people who live a life of fear. If the body is the only thing that exists, then when we die, that is it there is nothing after death no more hope no more life and so people who live on that side of the belief of materialism might do everything they can and fight and strive to uh, continue life at whatever cost they can pay but we as christians don't believe in this materialism we believe that we indeed are body and soul as God's human creatures. Just as we feed and care for our body, we also feed and care for our soul in a different way. So our body is fed by material food, but our soul is fed by a different kind of food, by a spiritual food. And that spiritual food is none other than the very Word of God. So just as regular food, material food strengthens our bodies to do the act- activity that we needed to do, the Word of God strengthens our spirit, strengthens our spirit in faith to trust in God and all that he has said and told us, and strength to fulfill the callings that he has placed on our lives and to carry them out in this world. If we have this understanding of being both physical and spiritual beings, it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus has chosen something as incredible as Holy Communion to feed us. For in that sacrament, we receive a physical food, the bread and the wine. But Jesus has combined that, connected it with his body and blood, which feed us in a supernatural way. So just as the physical elements feed our body, Jesus, the Word made flesh, feeds our souls, feeds our spirit, and strengthens us for eternal life. But now that we have a bit of an understanding about what it means to exist as both physical and spiritual beings and exist in a creation that has both physical and spiritual aspects, let's return to what was going on with that demon-possessed man. The demons who possess this man were afflicting not only his body, but also his soul, his spirit. The demons did not want the man to live a healthy, happy life, nor did they want him to have hope that he could be saved. And the same is true for how the spiritual forces of darkness want to afflict us in our lives today. We can use another example in Scripture. Uh, We can use Job as an example, In Job's day, Satan afflicted him by taking away his physical comforts, taking away his possessions, taking away his family, taking away his health. But that was incidental to Satan's goal. Satan's ultimate goal was for Job to lose his faith. He wanted Job to do what Job's wife ultimately suggested that he do, that he should curse God and die when Satan's forces afflict us in physical ways by trying to harm us or take away our comforts, that's incidental to what he truly wants, that Satan wants to take our faith in God away as well. He wants us to forget that God is our hope, to forget that God loves us, and to forget that God still cares for us in all circumstances, in all of our needs, of both body and soul. But when Satan attacks us, he doesn't always attack us by trying to take away our health or our comfort. He also tries to lead us astray by tempting us to trust in those material blessings that God has given us, rather than trusting in the one who is the giver of all good gifts, God himself. The comforts and the riches of this life that we have are indeed blessings from God, but Satan wants them to be an affliction to us by causing us to lose faith. Satan wants us to see the material things that we have as the only thing we really need. He wants us to say, well, if I have everything I want and I am happy, then what do I really need God for? Jesus addresses this temptation when he says that it's harder for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But no matter what our station in life might be, whether rich or poor or healthy or sick, Satan wants us to believe that God does not love us, that he does not care for us, or even that he does not exist. On the other hand, our Heavenly Father wants the opposite for us. He wants us to trust in him in all circumstances. He wants to save us, and he does this for us by sending Jesus into our lives. If we look at the demon-possessed man, this is exactly what God did to save him. He sent Jesus personally to this man to save him from his spiritual afflictions. Jesus came to this man at his lowest point. This man was so possessed by these unclean spirits that he even did not have control over his own actions. But when Jesus came into his life, Jesus drove away the demons and he restored this man both to physical and spiritual wholeness. You see, Satan wants us to believe, even today, that his demons can take control of us. He wants us to believe that they have power over us. But by driving out this legion of demons, Jesus proves that he is the only one that has absolute power over all the spiritual forces, whether good or even evil. Jesus had the power to command the evil spirits that possess this man to leave him. And the spirits recognized this power. Notice when Jesus came to the man, the demons begged Jesus not to torture them and pleaded that they not be sent into the abyss. The demons begged to be sent into the pigs instead, and they in fact needed Jesus' permission even to do that. Just as it was for this demon-possessed man, Jesus comes into our lives to drive away the spiritual forces of darkness that Satan wants to use to afflict us. And Jesus wants to restore us also to spiritual wholeness and take away the spiritual afflictions in our lives. Jesus saves us from the darkness and hopelessness that Satan uses to attack us. How has Jesus done this? Well, Jesus, in the ultimate way, accomplished victory over all of the forces of the devil and evil and death through his own death on the cross and in his resurrection from the grave. Jesus on the cross, by shedding his own holy precious blood for us, paid the price for our sin, and in his resurrection he refused death and the devil any power over us. At Faith Lutheran, in our Sunday morning Bible study class, we've been studying the book of Hebrews, and in chapter 2 we recently uh, read this verse. It says, since the children had flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who who uh, all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death." That's very powerful language that passage uses. It says that Jesus and the cross destroyed the power of the devil. Jesus destroyed the power of the devil over every single person who believes in him. And so just as he sent this man free from this legion of demons, he has also set each one of us free from Satan's evil forces. And now that the evil spirits are driven away, Jesus fills us with a different kind of spirit. He gives us his own Holy Spirit. And one thing that we can be absolutely sure of is if the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, then none of Satan's forces can dwell within us or possess us. Satan may try to lie to us, may try to lead us astray, but Jesus is faithful. He will never leave us or forsake us or abandon us to Satan's forces. And so at the end of our lesson, we hear that this man from whom the demons had been driven out begged to go with Jesus where he was going. Now that Jesus had saved this man, the man wanted to be with Jesus wherever he went. and We can sympathize with him. We would, too, today even, want to be with Jesus where he is. We want to be with Jesus in heaven, at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. But Jesus told this man that he could not go with him. Instead, he had a different task for him. Jesus said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And this is just what the man did. He went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And so although we do long to be with Jesus in heaven, Jesus still has plans for us, us who have, we who have been set free from sin and death and the devil. Just as Jesus told this man who was healed, that he should go and tell what God had done for him. Jesus wants the same for us. There are many people in this world who are still in the grip of the spiritual forces of darkness in this world, and only one thing can set them free, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit of Christ empowers us to do this work that Jesus has called us to do, to tell everyone what jesus has done for us and as we go about this task satan may still try to afflict us in this life but we know that he cannot win in fact he has been destroyed as luther wrote in his most famous hymn he said one little word shall fell him that is one word can defeat all the power of satan and all the demons he would send us and that one word that defeats all the forces of darkness is the name of Jesus. Amen.